This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I'm Sazali Abdulaziz and today we'll talk about history makers abroad in cricket and a bit closer to home in football. My guests today are my sports desk colleagues, Rohit Brijnath and David Lee. How are you guys? Hey, good. Nice to see you, Saz. Nice to see you too, Saz. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Uh, Rohit, something incredible happened in the world of cricket. Maybe you can uh, shed some light. Yeah, today in Sydney, uh, you know, the fourth test uh, between India and Australia finished and India won the series 2-1 and it was an incredible moment, I think, especially for Indian fans, I think, because it's the first time an Asian team has ever beaten Australia in Australia in a test series. India has been trying for 71 years. 71 years is a long time. When they first started, Joe Louis was the boxing world champion. Is (laughs) Is that, you know, far away? That long ago. And I think, you know, for me, of course, you know, it's tremendous to beat Australia who are a very rugged cricketing team and a rugged cricketing culture. And it's always difficult to beat teams away in cricket because of the playing conditions and, of course, because of the crowds and, you know, because mm. of the media. And, you know, cricket tours are over a long period of time. It's not like soccer where you're just going for one match, you know, flying in, playing a game and going away. You know, you're away from home for weeks on end, for months on end, you know, and, you know, to stay focused, you know, and, you know, stick with the plan and what you want to do is a difficult thing to do. That's why it's taken 71 years. Yeah, exactly. For, for listeners who maybe are not super, you know, aware of how it is in cricket, you know, why is it such an, an incredible achievement that, that India has beaten Australia on their home patch? Is it a bit like football and, and home ground advantage? No, I, I think it's, if I were to draw an analogy, I'd probably draw it more with tennis. I would think, you know, it's like a player on grass trying to go and win on clay. It's just a totally different game. So the game that you play in India on Indian pitches is very different from the one that you play in Australia. The playing conditions are different. I mean, when you play cricket in India, for example, in England, for example, in the summer, guys are all wearing sweaters, you know, something very unusual for, for Indians. You go to Australia, it's a different weather, it's a different playing condition, it's a different food, It's everything is different. I think in today's modern day, because you travel so much, it's a little easier, but the fact that it hasn't been done for 71 years tells you it's a task. And so a, a great moment, I think, for fans who wait and wait and wait, and we see this with, uh, I mean, we've seen this with Liverpool right yeah, now. Yeah, most recently, yeah, right. right? Yeah. I mean, the they, they teams just hang on, you know, fans hang on to their team and they're waiting for them to win and they lose and they wait and they lose and they wait mm. and they hope that one day something's going to happen. So you mentioned that the Indian fans uh, you know, have been waiting for a very long time, 71 years. A bunch of them have travelled overseas to see their team play. Do you know roughly how many Indian fans go overseas to watch a cricket team play? I can't say for sure, but I know that, that during one-day matches, for sure, sometimes when they're playing matches in Australia, it seems like you're playing in India because there's so really? many fans. But I think a lot to do with that is the fact that there are many Indians who are migrating to Australia <laughs> and then they take out their Indian blue and come and cheer or whatever. How, but how, but, the, but there are a lot of fans. You you were based in Australia for a while, right? How many times did you see India play Australia there? A couple of times. I mean, I covered an entire series. In fact, okay. uh, I covered a series in 2003, 2004, four test matches, travelled across all of Australia and um, India lost. You know, it's one of those things. Uh, so at that time, I knew how much it means to fans that they wait so long for this moment. Funny you should mention, you know, fans that that keep waiting and waiting for their team to win. Liverpool are obviously winning a lot this season, but they lost, I suppose, when it mattered uh, yeah, against yeah. Man City. David, as a Manchester United fan, how pleased were you to see uh, Yeah, I hope Liverpool. they continue to wait. <laughs> you know, they, they've never won an English Premier League title. They've come close once, and Steven Gerrard had to slip. Oh. Sorry to remind all Liverpool fans, but if they don't win this season, I, I don't think... It, it will They'll haunt ever them. win? Uh, it, is that what I, you're going to say? I won't say that, but it will haunt them for a long time. It could have gone up to 10 points had they beaten City. They, yeah. they set back. They seemed like they didn't want to lose that game and they paid for it. 
I think all this makes for a better Premier League title race. You know, you don't see in any title race one team streets ahead middle of the season. You, you want there to be a challenge right up to the wire. So I think it's healthy for, for the league. But do you think they will they will wobble though after this defeat? Because I, I, I was, you know, on one of our earlier podcasts, uh, I actually mentioned to John Robb, who's a Liverpool fan, I said, even if they drop points against City, I don't see them losing ground in the title race because their fixtures are actually quite kind. Uh, do you see it being Liverpool season or, or do you think Man City can launch a comeback? Yeah, if I'm not wrong, Liverpool have only four games left against the top teams. Theoretically, they have the advantage. Four-point lead fewer matches against the top teams but psychologically they haven't done it for for some time that psychological barrier can they break it they have the players to do it for sure a bit wobbly in defense uh, you know got great goalkeeper but uh, van dyke's a great defender but lovren suspect so i hope they won't do it but if i'm to be objective i think they, they can yeah but this is the fun of sport i mean i'm not even a liverpool fan but i really want them to win but I think what he's saying is right. I think it's going to be psychological. I don't think it's about tactics and teams and whatnot. I mean, of course, that matters. I think it's about mm. belief. I think, you know, when there's going to be pressure. In fact, if, you, if you're playing against teams who are weaker teams, you're going to be expected to win. Mm. So I think that, you know, can you close it? I think in anything in sport, it's about closing a match. I mean, you can lead Federer 5-2 in the fifth set, but can you beat him? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think closing something and when you haven't done it for a long time, sometimes you don't really know how to do it. Mm. But it can be done. I mean, India did it after 71 years. Uh, Chicago uh, Cubs did it in the World Series after 108 years. So, mm. it's possible. Dave, it's not quite 71 years, but it's been some time since you've seen United play some good football. But they've won, what, four matches or five matches five. in a row? Five, five in including row. the FA Cup game. You know, as a United fan, how does it feel to see your team finally not be so lousy? Yeah, I, <laughs> I take that back, please. I think it's good. It's good to see the feel-good factor is back. Uh, but I think the management were, were also a bit shrewd in uh, the timing of Mourinho's departure. I, I think they wouldn't have let Sosha take over before the Liverpool game because if he had lost that game, then the morale would have, would have been down. It was a good move to appoint him after the Liverpool loss. And as there was a favourable stretch of games, you know, Huddersfield, Cardiff, Burnmouth and Newcastle, sorry Sas, uh, and, and Reading, of course, in the FA Cup. Five straight wins. It's important not to get carried away, but the feel-good factor is back. Good football, nice to see. Now, if you're enjoying this episode of A Game of Two Halves, do subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify. Do like it and give us a rating. And now we're back for the second half of our show. David, you mentioned uh, you know, you're really pleased about seeing your, your United team not suck anymore. We were having this conversation earlier upstairs. You're pretty happy about a, a local footballer recently as well. Can you shed some light? Yeah, so Iksan Fandi, uh, this 19-year-old Singapore international, he's gone to Norway for a trial with second division club Rolfos. I'll be over the moon, M- more happy than if United win a title, you know, if he actually lands a contract in Europe. I mean, it's quite something for a 19-year-old boy to go to Norway. I think it's still winter now, so the temperatures must be frigid. What do you think that says about his character? I think it speaks a lot about his desire. His desire to want to play overseas. As we all know, it's an open secret. The league in Singapore, is the standard is not great. Mm. You know, to improve, you have to play overseas. Mm. And we have players playing in Malaysia, Thailand, but that's all relatively convenient, you know. I would like to see more venture further, but do we have that quality? Iksan definitely has, I think. It speaks a lot that a club is willing to take him on for a trial. And as far as I heard, the latest updates are it's looking good for him. The coach likes what he sees. And I I hope he really gets this opportunity to test himself. Look, for me, it's really important because what I feel is I've never ever seen a great player who became great 
unless he got himself out of his comfort zone. Mm. I think that's the in key. In any sport, is in it? In any sport. Yeah. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, you know, I remember Andy Murray, I think when he was young, he went from Scotland and he played in Spain. You know, I know a young shooter who won an Olympic gold from India who used to tour Europe and, you know, alone, you know, he used to sit in hotel rooms after being defeated and, you know, he used to eat food that he wasn't used to. But his desire to be great was so strong that he kept going. And I think that's what we need. And I think uh, what David's saying is right because I think if this kid gets through and he gets his contract we need somebody from Singapore who will be like a lead scout too, you know, a trailblazer. You know, somebody to set the path to say, look, this is possible. It can be done. And you're competing against, you know, kids from all over the world who are hungry. So you better be more hungry than that. Do you think it's surprising though that football has, you know, we had Fundy, we had Sundram, obviously uh, Fundy is Iksan's father, of course, in the 80s who, who played in Switzerland and in, in Holland. But, you know, for 20, 25, 30 years, we've not had that sort of trailblazing football. Whereas, you know, in ice skating, uh, I, I covered an ice skating championship over the weekend and I found out a boy, uh, Trevor Tan, who's 16, uh, he's actually taking a, a year's break from his studies to train alongside Winter Olympic champions in South Korea. You know, that takes a lot of guts, you know. And he's going alone. He doesn't have a, a family member or, or whoever with him. So it's interesting to me that winter sports, you know, we've only had our first Winter Olympian last year. And here we have a boy taking a year off his studies to try and get, as you said, you know, get great. But why, why, why do you guys think in football, you know, we, we haven't had that kind of, you know, risk taker? I think it's a bit different comparing uh, different sports. Uh, we've had swimmers going overseas to train with uh, American colleges. But schooling is yes. obviously and, the, and, the, and, the biggest and success. And, and many other female swimmers as well. And I guess when you talk about ice skating, the facilities are not as developed here and the, the expertise is not quite there. So they have to find another country who are probably the world leaders in the sport. Football... It's a bit strange, you know, you mentioned Fandi. Why is he the biggest legend, football legend that, that we have? You know, we have other Malaysia Cup stars. I think part of the reason why he's a legend is he, he dared to go to Europe. He played for Groningen, scored a goal against Inter Milan. That etched him into a folklore, probably like Rohit mentioned before, more than the player that he was, you know, his legend is bigger than the footballer that he might have been. So right now, Iksan in Norway, it's a second division club. None of us have heard of the team before, unless you're a rabbit championship manager I, fan. I am, I am, and you okay. know I am, Football and manager. I still have not heard of yeah, Rolfos e- yet. Exactly, so. but the opportunity is there because if he gets a contract and he plays there regularly, which is very important, that he plays and not just trains, scouts are bound to visit the club. They are about 80 minutes drive away from Oslo, where, where bigger top division teams like Valeranga, Stebek play. So I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll be noticed if he does well. One thing leads to another and... I think that's the thing. One thing leads to another. First thing is, you have to play with people better than you are if you want to improve. That's number one. Secondly, if he's good and he's disciplined and he does really well, scouts, they will say, oh, these Singaporean guys, they have talent. So they'll come to Singapore Mm. to look for other people. Then he himself, whatever he learns out there, he brings back to Singapore as a player. And when he's playing with a national team here or whatever, with other players, he tells them, hey, this is the way they do things there. And, you know, you learn. And this is how people get better by just, you know, exchanging information. It's like bringing coaches here. You know, you're bringing information here. So I think it's a great thing. I hope it works out. Yeah, and the exciting part is he's just 19. Mm. So, so the best is still to come that, from that, him. That's, that's interesting you mentioned that though, because I think we've heard cases where players might have had offers to go a bit further than, than just Malaysia or, or Thailand, you know, but they take into account, oh, I'm going to get married or oh, I'm engaged, I, I have children, this and that. Iksan obviously does not have these uh, long-term commitments yet at 19. Does this also, I guess, bring up the point that, you know, they have to take this decision to step out of their comfort zone a lot earlier than they would like? 
I think it's easy for us to judge because we are not in their shoes. Of course, you have all these considerations and, and whatnot. But when we interview young athletes, you know, they, they tell us of their dreams and ambitions. They always say they want to play for the top yeah, foreign teams, yeah, you know. Premier League, a- and yeah. when it actually happens, you know, you have all these considerations. Mm. I think if you purpose in your heart that you want to be a professional athlete, I think you've got to go all the way. It's the same as the de- same debate as, as you know, you can do your education, pursue your education uh, later. A professional athlete's lifespan is short. You miss it, that's it for you. So I think if you want to go professional, you have to go all the way. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough, but it's supposed to be tough. Other than Iksan, I heard another Singaporean going all the way to Europe is you, Zas. Can you tell us a bit more about your European adventure this week? An equally talented striker. Yeah, no, I'm headed to to, uh, London over the weekend. It's part of a work trip. Uh, You know, I'm going to be catching the Spurs-United game. It's interesting to me because uh, it's Pochettino up against a team who many say will be the team he manages uh, in the not-so-distant future. So, you know, he he could set another uh, milestone career by, by beating United. We'll uh, hopefully have something to deliver from London for next week's uh, Game of Two Halves. Yep, looking forward to it. And on that note, there's a final whistle bringing to a close a Game of Two Halves. Thank you, Rohit and David. Pleasure. See you, mate. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we did, do subscribe to a Game of Two Halves on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify. Do like it or give us a rating. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcasts at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.